Welcome to another episode of Do Loss. My name is Levi Bimba, and on today's episode, we're going to discuss the world's lies to women. So we are living in a world of lies. We are living in a world that is fallen. Uh, when Eve and Adam ate the fruit, we all fell in sin. We all fell in Adam when Adam took the fruit and, and sinned and disobeyed God's law. We see that in Genesis 3. But Jesus also reminds us that the devil is the father of lies in John eight forty four, where he calls him the, the father of lies. And he calls him a, so he calls him a master of deception. The devil knows how to deceive and how to bring people along using ideologies, using uh, isms and, and all kinds of doctrines that lead people astray from the truth. And so because the devil is crafty, he will seek to deceive and to entice with things that seem flashy, that are attractive, and will and will seek to do so, so very subtly until we wake up and it's too late to find out that you have been deceived and uh, you are now uh, unfulfilled or you are or even dead, which is the most tragic deception. And we see examples of this, uh, of the devil's deception in Matthew 4, where Jesus is tempted by the devil uh, to uh, to, fall, to fall into sin and to go along with what the devil wanted him to do in regards to turning the, the rock into bread and to bowing down and even worshiping the devil and even um, tempting the Lord by throwing himself off of the, the temple. But each time, those three times that the devil came to him, that Jesus used scripture. Jesus used the word of God to combat that false uh, deception of the devil, to combat the lies of the devil, which is the model that we as Christians should use also to combat every idea, every ideology that comes against the truth of God. We should use the scripture to, and that's the best defense and our best weapon against the lies of the devil. And so what's worse is that when we, when we do fall into deception, sometimes we even desire to go into that deception, which is what James 1 talks about, where he says in James 1, 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. So we can't blame God for our sin. We can't blame anybody else for our sin. It's because of the, the desires we have within ourselves that we fall away and we go into deception. But sometimes we think that sin will pay off. It'll make us feel good. It'll make us uh, uh, feel better about ourselves. It'll make us feel fulfilled. But from Proverbs fourteen twelve tells us that there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And as you see, the, that proverb says there's a way that seems right unto a man. And that's the problem. We always want to judge things based on what seems right to us, what seems good to us, what, 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 we, what we deem as necessary for our own self-fulfillment. But what we need to do is what we need to find out what is right in the eyes of God, what is right according to his word, according to the revelation that he has given us, uh, chiefly in Jesus Christ and according to, to Christ's word. So we don't end up in that way that leads to death. And Ephesians 4.14 also talks about this, where it says that we henceforth be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and their cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So we have to remember that there are men and women out there that will seek to deceive us into thinking that what they believe, what they teach is something that we should follow where we can gain life, we can gain uh, joy and fulfillment when really it just leads to death. It leads to more deception and, and really leads to despair, which is what we'll see here in a minute. And I think one of the most damaging lies with lasting social effect is that women need to feel fulfillment uh, by working outside of the home where I think God has ordained for most women to be. 
Um, I, and hear me clearly. I'm not saying that women should not work. I'm not saying women, it's a sin for a woman to work outside the home because I understand that there are single mothers who just have to work to provide for their children because of the, uh, the lack of a, of a father who stayed and would be willing to stay and provide it for them. So it's not a sin, a blanket sin for women to work outside the home. But I think God's primary focus has been for a woman to care for the children, to care for the home, to guide the house. And we'll cover that uh, uh, in a few minutes. But uh, historically speaking, feminism started uh, usually around 50s or 60s with women like T. Grace Atkinson. Uh, she has uh, she grew up in the South. She was a mother. Uh, she had a mother and a father in the home. Uh, she had four sisters and they, they moved around a bunch because of her dad's job. And because she didn't like that, she had ran away. And when she, her parents finally found her, her mom kind of pushed her into getting married. So she, she got married about 16, 17 years old. And uh, she divorced after five years because she just didn't like her husband. She didn't like being married. And her grandmother had told her that she had character and, and that she didn't need a husband to survive. So she up and left her husband. They got a divorce. And she's one of those who was seen as spearheading the, the feminist movement here in America. And she and she started an organization back in the 60s called The Feminist, and she wrote a lot and talked about feminism and what, fem and what feminism is. And she wrote something called The Radical Feminist or Radical Feminism. She discussed what that, what that was. And so I, t I took some of the quotes that I read from that little pamphlet that she wrote back in late, uh, I think it was May of 1969 that she wrote it, and to discuss kind of her worldview and her outlook on things coming from a secular point of view, and, and I'm going to try going to look at this with a biblical lens to really show you that the world really lacks wisdom, lacks understanding. And the only reason that we can have wisdom and understanding as Christians is because God has revealed it to us. So I don't want you to read this uh, and to think that you're better than her because you understand what women need and what women ought to do, because we would all be in the same case without, without the grace of God, with, if it wasn't for the grace of God in Jesus Christ, opening our eyes to see the truth of our sin and, and, to re reveal to us the need for a savior, we would be just like Grace T. Atkinson, a bitter woman who had, who just hated men, hated marriage, hated anything that seemed that would bring women down. She she wanted to get rid of it. And so here's her first quote: uh, "Quote: There is no justification for using any individual as a function of others. Didn't all members of society have the right to decide if they even wanted to reproduce? Because one half of humanity was and still is forced to bear the burden of reproduction at the will of the other half." The first, the first political class is defined not by its sex. Sexuality was only relevant originally as a means to reproduction, but by the function of being the container of the reproductive process. And she's saying, um, railing against the fact that nobody should be used as a function of others. And I would say it depends. You know, again, the, the Bible, we have to go to what the Bible says. In Genesis 2, 18 to 23, God, it talks about how God made Eve for Adam because Adam didn't have a help meet for him, a help suitable uh, for him to in the work of the garden and, and of dominating the earth. Uh, God made Eve for him. Now, Adam was not to treat Eve with uh, disrespect, with uh, domineering and with uh, with harshness in, in a sinful way, but he was to. Uh, love her and to be loyal to her and to honor her and to and to care for her and so that's something that we men ought to not to remember that our calling also is not to dominate women but to love them to care for them especially if there are wives to treat them with love with respect with honoring something that we fail at and i fail at all the time uh, but also um, so she talks about how that women were forced to bear the burden of reproduction. Now, that's not a force. That's something that God graciously, graciously has given women to do to bring children into the world. 
I mean, when my wife brought our son into the world, it's a really an amazing thing to go through knowing the struggle that she was going to have to go through because my wife is the oldest of seven, seven children. She knew. So she was very familiar with childbirth, but still willing to go through it. And now to see how much she loves and cares for our son is really a beautiful thing to, to see. Uh, the impact of a mother on our son. And that's the gift that God gave to women to be able to bear children, bring them into the world and care for them and love them. And she's seeing it as something forced and something that's burdensome, which is really it's a gift from God. But again, the devil always twists the gift of God into something that is evil and oppressive. And so, yes, the God did make male and female. Um, and at our most basic uh, understanding of who we are is our gender, our sex, male and female and used for the propagation of the human race because God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. And Paul also talks about how man is made in the image of God, just like women are, but women are, women are the glory of men. Both men and women are equal before God. We just have different roles and we shouldn't see these different roles as something bad, like uh, Grace T. Atkinson, uh, T. Grace Atkinson does, but Something good, because as God is triune, you know, God is one being, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Son of God came into the earth to do the will of his Father. Jesus said, I came, not, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus didn't come down to earth to do whatever he wanted to do. He actually came down to submit himself to the will of the Father and to do what he, uh, the Father had called him to do. So submission is not something that's evil and wrong, because Jesus himself actually was submissive to the will of, of the Father, even though he was equal in power and authority and in might and wisdom and all, and all of it. And then another quote that T. Grace Atkinson talked about in her Radical Feminism pamphlet, she says, quote, I believe that the sex roles, both male and female, must be destroyed, end quote. And again, that's, this is where the devil wants to attack. Anything that God has ordained, anything that God has deemed as good, the devil will seek to attack and to uproot and to pervert. And so um, you see this, we see this exactly in Miss Atkinson's words here, that she wants to destroy the roles of male and female. And we see that today within the transgender movement and within uh, homosexuality and all, and all of these other uh, perverted views of, of human relationships within marriage, that they are trying to just completely obliterate what God has ordained as male and female made in his image. Uh, she says further on in her pamphlet, quote, while I cannot go into it here in detail, I want to make clear that we must use our constructive imagination to devise a moral alternative. Such an alternative must provide an internal solution to the feelings of inadequacy. The solution would probably depend upon just that faculty that initiated the original dilemma, the human imagination. Rationality will have to construct the substance su sufficient for individuals autonomy from the inside. This would resolve both the problem of substantive incompleteness and the reconciliation of mind and body. Now, notice that she says that we must use our constructive imagination to devise a moral alternative. But she talks about how that same uh, that same faculty of human imagination and reasoning is the very reason why we are in the mess that we are in. So why would you go back to the source of the evil that you uh, that you have to construct something that to that to construct? To construct some alternative morality that will not bring you the joy and fulfillment that you want when that was the very source of the of the pain and anguish that you claim is happening today but we know that god is the one who ordained the role of male and female god is the one who ordained that men should do what men ought to do and, and women should do what women ought to do and so and you'll hear that in the interview that i did with susan heck coming out in a few weeks how she talked about the roles that god has ordained within scripture that she as a woman desires and loves 
and feels fulfilled in doing and, and in being a wife and being a mother and uh, and and being a teacher of just women as well. And you'll see how God can use somebody who actually submits to his word for the furtherance of his kingdom. And I think you'll really enjoy that interview coming up in a few weeks. But Miss Tigres Atkinson talks about how uh, that human imagination should come up with a different moral alternative. But the Bible tells us in Romans 1 that the world through its wisdom cannot know God, so, which means that the world through its wisdom cannot please God. So whatever the world comes up with, it's not going to be, be pleasing to God. It's going to just bring more division, more hurt, more um, dissatisfaction in life. And uh, again, this goes back to what James 3, 14 through 16 says. Uh, it says, but if ye have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Such wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish, the devilish. For where envy and strife are, there is confusion in every evil work. So and that really is the 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 uh, result of feminism, the result of environmentalism, the result of racism and all these other isms that are in the culture today. They you they bring about uh, envy, uh, division evil work and all kinds of confusion, transgenderism, homosexuality, all those all these isms and, and ideologies that are antithetical to what the Bible has ordained and has has revealed to us, they all bring dev, devilish, sensual and evil and envy and strife and all kinds of things that are now prevalent today in American culture. So there's the, there is no we should not trust human wisdom to come up with a moral alternative, as T. Grace Atkinson says. She goes on to say that, quote, the most common female escape is a psychopathological condition of love. It is a euphoric state of fantasy in which the victim transforms her oppression into her redeemer. She turns her natural hostility towards the aggressor against the remnants of herself, her consciousness, and sees her counterpart in contrast to herself as, a, as all powerful as he is by now at her expense. The combination of his power, her self-hatred, and the hope of a life that is self-justifying, the goal of all living creatures, results in a yearning for her stolen life, herself, that is, the, that is the delusion and poignancy of love. Love is the natural response of the victim to the rapist. What is extremely difficult and unnatural but necessary is for the oppressed to cure themselves, to cure themselves, destroy the female role, to throw off the oppressor and to help the oppressor to cure himself, to destroy the male role. It is superhuman, but the only alternative the elimination of males as a biological as a biological group is subhuman. So I know there's a lot there, but again, it's a lot of confusion, a lot of uh, division and a lot of hatred towards men as being the quote unquote oppressor. And she even perverts love, something that women actually desire and, and, and uh, aspire to have in their lives. I think deep down inside, they all want love. We all want love really at, at, at just a most basic human level. We all desire to have love in our lives. But she's saying that love for the woman is an escape from uh, uh, a life. Uh, it really is an escape to a psychopathological condition. It's a delusion. It's not something that is real. And and this is what we generally do as humans because we don't see or because we've failed to see the benefit of something that God has ordained or we haven't been able to experience it. Therefore, we want everybody else to 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 know that it's not useful for them either. And that goes back to that old saying of misery loves company. And this sounds like a woman who was miserable, who did not have a very happy life and obviously didn't have a happy marriage and didn't want to even be married and, and went off and tried to do her own thing. And we see the result of her ideas today. And, and she now is talking against love when we know that love is something that God has ordained. The Bible even tells us that God is love 
and that love it really is spelled out for us in first corinthians 13 uh and it talks about what love is it's kind it's gentle it's it's uh, doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It perseveres and ne never fails. And so when you have true biblical love, then you won't be speaking of love as some kind of psychopathological condition that needs to be escaped from or talk about love that is just used to oppress. And and really is love is something that is the response of somebody who has been raped to the, to the rapist, which is just completely perverse. But this is what happens when you have a, a worldly mindset, when you want to uh, bring division, bring heartache, uh, maybe from your own personal life and try to use that as a map by which the whole world should uh, operate. And that's exactly what this woman is trying to do here. So love is perverted by the world's wisdom and human wisdom only brings about destruction and division. As you see here, uh, she wants to destroy the female role, destroy the male role and completely turn it on its head. And I think one of her other writings that I was reading, she did also talked about how she knew that she had to really turn the world upside down and inside out to, for her view to really operate and to work well. And so um, we see that the fruit of her teaching of her ideology uh, in here uh, in an article that came out today, it's called or not today, but it came out recently. And it's called A Woman's Place is in the Rat Race. Um, one of the one of the ways that. Um, they wanted feminists, wanted women to destroy the oppression of men was to really be like them and to go after career, go after am ambition, go after making money and being self uh, self-fulfilled and and not depending on anybody to, to take care of you, especially a man. And so women went out and got careers and started working for themselves. And and feminists told them that if you do this, you'll find fulfillment, you'll find joy, you won't need a husband, you won't have to uh, burden yourself with marriage and raising children. But today, in this article from Sasha White, she writes about what it's like today for women in the workforce. And she starts, uh, she, uh, in the article, she says, quote, one of, one of the most miserable groups of American workers is women who face a burnout crisis and report the highest levels of workplace exhaustion and dissatisfaction. A 2021 study by McKinsey and Company and LeanIn.org, ironic, found that 42% of women say they feel burned out after almost feel 42% uh, of women say they feel burned out often or almost always. According to the same study, one in three women says that they have considered downshifting their careers or leaving the workforce this year. So, you know, the, uh, the pamphlet that I read from, from T. Grace Atkinson came out in May 1969. So you fast forward uh, 53 years and still, women are dissatisfied with their jobs. They are not fulfilled, and they're not having a good time in, on the job. Uh, Sasha White continues in her article, Paradoxically, women in this country were promised that we would, we would finally be fulfilled and empowered if we entered the workforce. Unlike my mother and grandmother's generation who were raised to become mothers and wives, my entire generation was taught that our careers would give a, will give us deep meaning and allow us to make a difference in the world. That promise rings hollow for several reasons. On a personal level, it creates a mentality in which the loss of one's career can lead to a devastating emotional void. And on, a, and on a societal level, it has been manipulated for all sorts of damaging corporatist ends. So why is it still orthodoxy in most feminist circles that going to work equals liberation? And Sasha White is, is really hitting the nail on the head. She's showing and telling us that women that have been told that if they go to work, they'll be fulfilled, they'll... 
they'll be free from the oppression of men. But in reality, in practicality, women are not feeling that way. They're actually feeling more shackled, more burdened, and more dissatisfied with life. And so why would you keep telling them the same story that if you continue to press forward and lean into your career, like leanin.org, as mentioned here, um, that you'll feel fulfilled? Uh, that doesn't take place. That doesn't. That that really is just bringing women more into bondage, more into uh, the shackles of of unfulfillment and and a joyless life and career. Sasha White continues and says, and she says, at its best, feminism is a political movement that aims to reduce the exploitation and abuse of women. But today's feminism has warped into an easily exploit, exploited source of emotional validation. The idea that solutions to personal problems can only be found through change in the public sphere was ingrained by feminist scholars and activists since the 1960s, like T. Grace Atkinson. If a movement seems to sparkle with the promise of self-help, it can be easily co-opted to sell something to its followers who are primed to buy into promising solutions. After all, change comes from without, not within. Feminism was thus liable to not only become the identity and affirmation obsessed spectacle we see today, but also to be swallowed whole by corporatism and sold back to us as a promise of liberation through our careers. So again, she talks about how feminism has been warped into something that's easily exploitable and it really exploits women's emotional need to be validated, to be loved, to be cared for, to be esteemed highly, as the Bible tells us to do as husbands for our wives. And she says something very important here where she says personal problems can only be found through change in the public sphere. This is what feminism brings. This is what any ideology brings. They tell you that if you believe this idea, this ideology, if you, if you go along with its tenets, then you will have a solution to your personal problem. But we all uh, but as Christians, we know that the internal issue of life really has no external uh, any external solution. There is no worldly external solution that can bring internal change, internal uh, uh, fulfillment and joy. The only joy that can be found is joy in Christ, joy in knowing that your sins have been forgiven, that you uh, have a savior that loves you, that uh, died for you, that took took the wrath of God for you. That is the only way you can have true joy in life. You can't find joy in in following feminism or following environmentalism or following some other ideology that promises you to that promises you some kind of validation. The only validation, the only joy, the only peace that you can have is knowing that your sins have been cleansed, your sins have been forgiven, that you have peace with God, the one who made you and can point you and guide you perfectly in the way of how to live a life that is fulfilling, that a life that is full of joy. And so you can't. Uh, and so she says, Sasha White talks about how feminism was used to um, really package a deal uh, that that uh, tells women that if you follow this ideal, we will give you joy, we'll give you fulfillment. But that same joy and fulfillment really is for the joy and fulfillment of those who are going to hire you, who are going to uh, uh, bring you onto their company to work for them. Uh, because they're using you to really advance the, the goal of the company, to advance the goal of making more money for the company. And so you're not really getting liberated. You're just being brought in as a cog in the machine to continue on uh, the, the, the duty of business. And so Sasha White continues and says, yet as our jobs become less and less fulfilling and we fail in our attempts to be girl bosses with a work life balance that makes us happy. Feminists still push the narrative that robust careers are a source of surefire personal fulfillment. Many professional women cling to the illusion of impact-driven work, even as it drains them and leaves them to languish in their waning years, when they are no longer useful. 
The McKinsey study states that, quote, women continue to have a worse day-to-day experience at work, end quote, and promises a fitting solution, increasing, quote, diverse female representation, end quote, in the corporate hierarchy. While filling more positions with women may help women feel less othered and demeaned at work, as as the study claims, it is worth noting that the narrative we are supposed to buy is women hated at work. We need to get more women in their stat. So, again, the world has no solution to the issue. Women are feeling miserable at work. Women have a worse day-to-day experience at work. We just need to put more women in there, and then maybe they'll feel better about themselves. Again, the world doesn't have the wisdom that comes from above, the wisdom that would seek to give them, the, the, the wisdom that would give them a, a lasting joy, a lasting fulfillment within their, uh, their lives. But again, this is worldly, uh, worldly ideals, world, worldly concepts, worldly programs to try to make women feel better about themselves when women uh, cannot feel better about themselves in a career or in a, or in a job, as we are now seeing today. She ends our article by saying we should always resist the temptation to look at an ideological movement for our salvation. And I would say amen to that. You should look at Christ for salvation. Look at Christ for fulfillment. Look at Christ for joy, for peace. Because that peace and that joy come from knowing that your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been cleansed. Your sins have been washed away, thereby giving you the ability to love God, to love Christ, to love your husband, to raise your children. And you'll find joy and fulfillment that is lasting in that. Uh, she, she continues, but especially when that movement peddles mindless hustler culture as a certain panacea for complex personal, personal ills. When someone advertises work makes free you might wish to remain skeptical, even if it's written written in pink letters. So while women may so while women work and and may bring more financial comfort and luxury to their families, the family suffers as uh, uh, the family suffers. Which again, the family is the foundation of a flourishing society. And there's a Pew Research Center graphic that talks about uh, women working families, and it talks about how the percentage saying the increasing number of women working for pay outside the home has made it easier or harder for these three different things. One of them is families to earn enough to live comfortably, marriages to be successful, and then the third one is parents to raise children. And they have a graphic here that shows harder or easier. So if you're listening, on the left side, it's harder. On the right side, it's easier. And so the first one that they ask about is as families to earn en- enough to live comfortably. So women working outside the home, is it easier or harder for a family to earn enough to live comfortably? 28% said harder. 67% said it's easier. So obviously, obviously that makes sense. If you have a man and woman that are working, a husband and wife that are working, you're bringing in more money, thereby giving you the ability to buy more things and to live more comfortably uh, within your family. And so the next question was, is it easier or harder for marriages to be successful? On um, this one, 50% said it was harder. 35% said it was easier. So you're now seeing the progression down to the actual relationship taking place that a marriage actually becomes harder when both, uh, when especially the woman is working and it's harder for that marriage to be successful. Not saying that your marriage can't be successful or can't be a, a flourishing and wonderful marriage, but it's just harder to do it when the woman is also uh, working. And then... The real kicker really is the children. The children are the next generation. They're the offspring of, of marriage, of, of, of a man and woman coming together. And they will be the ones who take over when the man and woman are gone. But for is it harder or easier for parents to raise children? 74% say it's harder for parents to raise children. Now, obviously, 
That is true. When you have both the woman and the man working outside the home, they're going to spend less time with their children. They're going to be they're not going to be able able to be around their children as much. And so the children suffer because children need their parents to teach them, to guide them, to lead them, to be with them and to and, and to uh, encourage them in their lives. But also, obviously, children need to eat. They need clothing. So somebody has to go to work. And what God has ordained is for the men to go to work, and for the women to stay at home with the children. And we'll read about that. Uh, here actually right now as far as we talk about the biblical role for women so we have to remember let us run through this very quickly um, the biblical role for women is that we have to remember that women were made in the image of god god also gave them dominion over the rest of the created order and god gave them uh, along with men to be fruitful the command to be fruitful and multiply and to bring children into the world but because of sin as we read about in genesis three fifteen, perfect harmony in male female relationships is now gone. So men and women must struggle to embrace their roles because naturally we will resist them. And the role that God has given men is to lead their wives, to lead their children into righteousness, into truth, and to, and to lead women, especially uh, uh, as re in regards to uh, holy living and righteous living and, and how to uh, live the life that is pleasing to God. Women are commanded to submit to their own husbands. Um, that is what the Bible says. If you're married, you ought to submit to your husband. You ought to follow what he has prescribed and obviously your your uh, number one authority is god so if your husband is telling you something sinful to do then you don't go along with that because your husband your husband's authority stops at at god's at god's authority proverbs 31 talks about the type of woman uh that all women should strive to be and the type of wife that men should be looking for verse 10 it talks about how women should be virtuous uh it talks about how in verse 11 how women should be trustworthy Verses 13 to 15 and 21, it talks about how women should be dedicated to the care of their household. Verses 17 to 19 and verse 24 talk about how women should be physically active and industrious. So they shouldn't be idle, they should be willing to uh, to uh, get up and even go out and, and work if necessary. Or, but all everything is always centered around the well-being of the house and well-being of the children in the house. Uh, verses 25 to 28 talk about how women should be wise, kind, uh, generously affectionate with those in need and not idle. But being able to love uh, and 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 care for those who are in need, and also their husband and children uh, love and honor them because of all these qualities that we mentioned: virtuous, virtuous, trustworthy, dedicated to the care of the household, physically active and industrious, and also kind and wise and, and affectionate with those in need. Paul also writes about the role of women in First Timothy two fifteen, where he says that the raising of children needs to be uh, central, and raising them to be holy, to be faithful and to be sober within life. And my mom always talks about how she wanted to raise a well-rounded man or a well-rounded woman. And, and thank God that she had that joy and had that, that, uh, that desire to do that. I think that was the godly desire that he, that God had placed within her. First uh, Timothy five, six in verses 13 to 14, Paul also talks about how women should not be given to pleasure. So they shouldn't be focused on what makes them feel good. Uh, what makes them feel happy necessarily speaking, but they should be focused on looking to be married, guiding, and keeping the house. And that is what God has prescribed. Again, I'm the messenger. I didn't write the Bible. You, go, you can go look at the scriptures yourself and, and look at what God has ordained because ultimately God knows best. God created women. God, know, God put it within each and every woman what would make them happy, what would make them feel fulfilled. And the more you resist, the more you fight against that, the more unhappy you will be, as we've seen in the studies that are that are being done today, that women are more miserable uh, than ever before in their day to day life on the job. 
Titus 2, 4 through 5 reiterates the same things that we just covered uh, regarding the role of women. So because God made women, because God ordained what women should do and be within the house as mothers, as workers at home, as keepers of the house, um, they will find their joy and the fulfillment in that. And obviously that is not a blanket statement. For whatever reason, God d- does not give every woman the ability to have children. So if you don't have children, um, then you can still have a role in, in, in loving your husband and caring for him and, and, and helping him in his career and his in his job or whatever task he's doing, or maybe running a business with him, uh, you'll find joy and fulfillment in being that help, that suitable help for your husband. Because again, what God has ordained for uh, flourishing, we should take with seriousness because he knows better than we do. And the more we run away from what he has accepted, what he has ordained for us to do, we will not find that joy and fulfillment in him. And so thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard today, please leave a comment on YouTube or a like on the video. Or if you have a comment or you have a disagreement, please leave a comment on that. And I'll uh, uh, enjoy conversing back and forth with you. And we can talk more about this. I know it's a hot topic within American society because the feminist movement is strong and really has imbibed. We have imbibed feminism probably at a, at a more stark level than what we uh, would care to admit. And so if you have a comment, a disagreement, please leave a comment. And let me know. But if you like the show, please leave a review. And let me know uh, uh, that you like this content and that you would like to see me continue to do this con- this content. So thank you for listening today and I'll see you on the next episode of Do Lost.